0: Welcome to On Marketing, a show where we explore marketing's first principles, mental models, and my favorite, contrarian takes. This is a space where thinking differently about marketing isn't just encouraged, it's a rule. My aim is not to tell you what to think, it's assisting you in improving how you think about marketing and life. It's September 15th, 2023. I'm Jordan Ogren, a marketing strategist by day and a podcast host by night. Today, I chatted with Timothy Weyer, a seasoned marketing strategist and content creation expert. Timothy's diverse background spanning various marketing and content strategy roles reflects his unique and helpful perspective. In the episode, we discuss the evolving role of AI in content marketing, navigating ethical considerations with AI, strategies for effective digital storytelling, balancing creativity and data and marketing, and embracing innovation in a fast-paced digital world. Ready to get into the episode before we do make sure to subscribe to the newsletter to get new episodes with extra insights delivered to your inbox every single friday morning the link to do that is in the first line of the show notes also a reminder that if you're watching this on youtube you can listen to it as a podcast and if you're listening to this as a podcast you can go and see my beautiful mug on youtube so whatever works best for you please indulge in that way and finally I know my legal department made me put this in. Opinions shared in this podcast are individual views of the hosts and guests not representing their employers or associated organizations. This content is intended for informational purposes only and should not be considered professional marketing guidance. Listeners should act on the information provided at their own risk. I'll see you on the other side. What is marketing? What job should
1: marketing get done in a company? Great question. Big question, always a great, a great one to start off with. Uh, so, I had a mentor uh, earlier on in my career that that coined coined this phrase. He used to say, "Marketing is sales at scale," and I really, really like that uh, succinct approach to it. Uh, I think where I would probably uh, nuance or maybe kind of uh, develop that idea a little bit more is, you know, at the end of the day, marketing's responsibility is to drive revenue for the company. I think, I think. If you're investing dollars into a marketing department you do want to see a return on investment that's pretty obvious uh, but the tools that marketing uses to do that are uh, very different. they don't look the same as what a salesperson is going to do uh, so with a salesperson it's pretty you, you you have a pretty clear correlation between you make a certain number of calls you send a certain number of emails that converts into meetings that converts into deals and pipeline and then eventually you have your close rate right? it's pretty linear right? um if i was to take this pen right and draw out uh the similar path for marketing i i just have like a ball of twine sitting right here like it's it's uh, the, obviously you go through all the steps you know we know about the marketers the the product journey we know about the uh, uh the path to purchase and all of that stuff but uh it it never is linear and it never goes through, it never goes the way that i always think it's going to go customers surprise tend to uh, surprise me because they're human so uh, i think uh, that's that's eventually i mean that's where you want to go and the other thing too is that that question I mean, it is a big question uh, because it really depends on the size of the company too uh if you're in apple uh, apple's marketing department i i would bet money that they are not measured primarily on how many leads they generate right you know and they are ab b2c mainly so that's a different that's a different uh, situation but uh, you know, they have uh, a different objective, say, than a startup that just raised its first million and is trying to, uh, you know, make that ROI. So uh, I, I think the the question does vary based on the company. But you know, at the end of the day, you're driving awareness and ultimately you want that to become business. And, you know, the tools you use, depending on your size, are going to uh, contribute to that.
0: Hmm. Yeah, I like that. So sales at scale like you're able to marketing is able to scale sales so in your opinion did sales or marketing come first chicken and the egg what was the first kind of function that that people deployed throughout history i know you're not like a history buff
1: oh uh, i would probably say sales bartering, you know i think i think historically that's that's kind of how we understand it um and i think that if you look at marketing fundamentals they don't really differ from a lot of sales fundamentals in terms of principles and we can get into that, I think, as we get into the conversation, but it's uh, just, just that the tactics and the tools are different. Uh, but ultimately, I mean, we're, marketing and sales are on the same team. Uh, we're, we're one team. We're the revenue team. And uh, yep, I that would be. So, yeah, I, I would say sales, but, you know, whatever chicken and the egg <laughs> question. What, what is that? Where, where do you get with that? Right?
0: Well, I, I think like if something is a like a scaling something, it should be the thing that came after it versus yeah, if marketing sure. was here first, then really it's almost backwards. If then it's amplifying sales where really it was like sales is the addition. But I think what you said is how I would agree. People were likely door to door or cave to cave, maybe in that sense, uh, trying to just sell stuff. And they started to realize, wait, uh, 95% of the people that want to buy our product aren't or or that might buy our product aren't ready to buy it right now. So how do we do this sales thing at scale? Or how do we do this where people can engage with it? Does that spark any
1: thoughts in in your mind, but just between the relationship? Absolutely. And you can even look at this on a microcosm level. And, you know, when I was building uh, my uh, content marketing agency, you know, one of the things you, 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 and any new business owner is doing is, you know, working out your value prop, right? And I thought, you know, when I initially started out, you know, I thought, oh, I've got something really valuable to offer to early stage startups that are just just beginning on their journey and, you know, want to bring someone on to really help get their content marketing uh, operation off the ground and can't afford a full time team. So it's easier to outsource and all of that. Uh, what I quickly realized is these organizations in, in early stages didn't need content marketing. Uh, I, I, I would say they needed content marketing, but, you know, we live in a world of scarcity and you've got to deploy your resources uh, specific, uh, very specifically and you've got to prioritize them. And so a lot of these organizations, I, I looked to them and said, you know, I'm looking at your KPIs and your objectives. They want deals, They want a pipeline. I'm like, you need to hire a sales team. So I think if you look even microcosmically, what does the business bring on first? They bring on sales first. And then, uh, you know, I had a, a friend of mine that we used to work together and uh you know we would always say marketing is always the the last to be hired and the first to be fired in terms of <laughs> scaling an organization and and i think that that generally pans out um uh you know across the board
0: hmm. No, I, I like that, and I think I think there's there's some value in the conversation just between sales and marketing and trying to create the the ice the different definitions because sometimes it can be very muddied in the sense of like I get hired for a marketing job and next thing you know I'm doing hard sales and it's like hey, this isn't marketing um, yeah and I think to your point, marketing is going to be so differently for every company. But I think which this podcast aims for is just that fundamentals of thinking about, you know, where do we play? What's our value prop, all of these kind of strategic, which then might fall yeah. more into like strategic planning. But really, I feel the chief marketing officer is define the market. How are we going to play in it? I mean, that's in the, the definition, but I've never, sure. I never had that idea or definition because it's always like marketers do social media, marketers do content. Right.
1: right. And that, that that is a lot of people think of marketing as a tactical focus. And, uh, you know, mainly because the tactical work is what's visible, right? But anyone who's involved in marketing knows that you know, before you post a blog post, how many subject matter experts have you interviewed? How much research have you done? How ha- how have you thought about where does this post uh, fit into the Biden journey? Uh, the person who's going to read it, where, where are they? What are the objections they're going to have in that moment as they encounter that content? And how can you help respond to it? Uh, most people who aren't involved in marketing just see the blog post and you know so they're like oh we need somebody to write our blogs but <laughs> there really is uh there's so much that goes into that and as a content writer you know i'm reliant on a lot of content strategists internally within companies to provide those uh the, those strategic um like those strategic assets uh, so that i can do my work most effectively
0: hmm, i like that so Timothy, we'll jump in a little bit uh, to a different topic here, but still on this kind of the the root or the fundamentals of marketing, what's something you've changed your mind on uh, in marketing kind of the fundamentals or more strategically or even executionary that you have believed to be true a year ago, two years ago? What's something you've kind of shifted?
1: Yeah, you know, if you go back and look at my LinkedIn content from, you know, 2019, 2020, right about there, I was pretty much hard uh on the I, I was on the bandwagon that marketing and specifically content our primary KPI and our primary objective is driving uh sales. You know, we should be measured by uh leads and uh conversions and stuff like that. And I still believe that to an extent. That I uh, you know given what we said in the conversation, you know, I I still hold that view. Uh, but I, I've really become a lot more aware of uh the 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 importance of brand and brand has taken a greater priority in how I think about marketing. Uh, since then, and maybe that's because you know, as I've grown as a marketer, I, I would initially be focused very on the tactical stuff. That's where people start out, and then as you grow and you mature, you you, you take on more strategic responsibilities. Um, but a, a great example of this is, uh, you know, when I first started out as as a marketer, you know, it was very you know we were using HubSpot to measure attribution, and we were looking for that linear progression, very much you know mirroring that sales sales conversion journey, right? Uh, and, and then very recently, about a year or two ago, I was working with a client and, uh, they were investing a lot of dollars in events. They were going to these conferences, these trade shows. And as you well know, and our listeners know, I mean, these things are quite expensive. You put a lot of resources into them. Uh, you send your salespeople, you're flying people out, you're putting them up in the hotel, you're shipping God knows what, uh, uh swag and all of that stuff you're you're doing for, for the booth and stuff like that you know you want to see a return on investment and and this client uh they were going to all of these shows and they've been in business for probably about three years at the time and uh nobody knew who they were they just they they would go there they they would they would set up and people the, the number one question they asked well who's are you i've never heard of you before right so basically for about a year you know i worked with them and worked with their internal marketing team uh, to really start aggressively marketing these trade show audiences right so we did uh, blog posts email campaigns linkedin uh, we did some sales enablement content so sales people could go in and reach out to them in advance and say hey i'm going to be at the show you know come by booth whatever and i'm going to be there uh we would we would send these emails and what's interesting is i would send these marketing emails out right and you know they get decent uh Open rates, right? You know, not bad. And they they weren't on the high end, but they weren't on the low end either. Uh, and they would really get abysmal click through rates. Like nobody was clicking through on these emails. And and <laughs> you know, you'd have the 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 CEO coming to us being like, "Well, why aren't these getting uh, clicks on them? You know, why are we wasting all this time and this investment in these emails?" But what's interesting is over the course of that year, sales would come back from these conferences, and they'd say, "You know, last year we went to this conference, and nobody knew who we are." This year, they're coming to our booth. They know exactly who we are, and they're ready to have the conversation, and I've booked however many meetings that we're going to follow up with next week. So I think that's an example of that nonlinear attribution. If you look at those correlations between marketing activity and the results that you're driving, right, uh, you, uh, you, you could see how marketing is influencing and contributing to the organization. And so a lot of the content we were doing, I would say, was brand right we were just trying to elevate the brand but it had a tangible result at the end um but then again i I would also say you know thinking strategically unless we knew that's what we were doing we probably wouldn't have known to look for that correlation so you it's it's not accidental that this stuff happens you need to know what you're doing you need to know what you what you're looking for uh preferably in advance we you know we go to the ceo and say here let's set some expectations we're investing in all this content the kpi that we're we're driving is uh, it, it's intangible, but it, it, it's valuable, right? It's how aware are people of the brand when they come to the booth and how does that correlate to uh, bookings after the conference is over? And so, uh, you know, so, so there's an example, I think, of how I, I, I've kind of modified my thinking on brand. Not that not that marketing uh, isn't meant to promote sales, but I think how we think about how marketing promotes sales uh, can be a lot uh, more expansive and holistic than just looking at, you know, leads and conversion rates and stuff like that. That stuff is valuable, but I think marketing is so much more than that.
0: Hmm, I love that. Yeah, I think that's a natural, at least for me, was a progression of thinking everything's linear and cause and effect and that you can draw that down to a perfect science. But now where I stand, I, I see kind of like what you're saying is sometimes marketing is driving the intangibles because the intangibles make sales easier. That's uh-huh. why I really enjoy marketing as a definition is to make sales easier because then it's very unique on how do we go and make sales yep. easier. Um, brand is one of those ways that essentially lubes up somebody to to have a better conversation using a very interesting word, lube. But like that's just what kind of comes out when you have a brand, when you're educating and you've helped people make progress when they didn't need it, um, didn't need your product, but they just needed to make progress on something and your X or Y helped them. It's going to make that sales conversation when that time is right so much easier rather than like, so who are you and what are you doing? What makes you different versus... I instantly know I just need some of these specs checked off or whichever. Absolutely.
1: And, and, and let me, uh, two points to that. One is, uh, I actually wrote an article, uh, probably over a year ago that I wrote it. I wrote it when we were first talking about a recession happening and we've been kind of, I think that we're talking about a rolling recession now. And so we've, we've been <laughs> in a recession for who knows how long. Uh, but, uh, when we, when we first were talking about it, I wrote an article. That's uh, the title is don't cut back on marketing in a recession. I'll send you the link and you could you know put it in the show notes or whatever. Yep. Um, and one of the arguments I make is that uh, when people aren't spending, that's actually the best time to invest in marketing counterintuitively because you're reducing that friction. So they may not be spending today, but if you're investing in marketing, and I was specifically talking about content marketing, if you're investing in that when people aren't spending, they're still going to be consuming the content. It's still going to be working on them. They're still going to be thinking about it. It's I use the term reducing friction, kind of similar to what you were talking about. Um, and when they're ready to buy, when the market gets better, you know, whatever that is going to be and, and budgets open back up and people are ready to start spending, who are they going to go to? They're going to go to the person that uh, you first uh, you, you would first think about. So I, I think that's absolutely you're, you're you're right on right on the money there.
0: Yeah, I think there's always a consideration set. And I think the goal with marketing at times is to be in that usually the top part of that consideration set and so how do you do that content and, and all these yeah. things and usually if others are cutting back that's an easy way to to take a few steps up that consideration st- uh, set if others yeah. aren't creating content because then a year goes by and you've kind of lost this company from your mind because they kind of cut back when another comes so totally and actually in, in prep i read that so i already have that link right oh, there you to, go perfect to yeah. put in the show notes <laughs> it was a very very good article and i think yep. um it's something that regardless of a looming re- like recession, whenever, it's just important to always kind of focus on how, how do we keep investing even um, even if you know we're not getting the tangible results right. always. Um, that's awesome. All right. Now, I think you, you talked a lot about content marketing. I think one pro of that is, and we haven't really named it, is, is kind of building the trust that you have with your audience and content marketing is a perfect way. I mean, I haven't ever built trust with someone like cold pitching me, usually it does the complete opposite. So why does content marketing create trust or how do you think of content marketing in the goal of building trust or is that not usually a top priority with content for
1: you? I think it's absolutely a top priority, but let me zoom back a little bit and kind of put what you just said, which I think is really important, but let's put that in a a broader context. every piece of communication that your business does or that you perform on behalf of your business, you know, if you're using, leveraging a personal brand, uh, every single piece of communication trains your audience of how to think about you. And for example, I'll just take a blog post. If you're running a blog post that's 300 words long and is just full of fluff and it's just there, we're kind of phoning it in because we read somewhere that we need to be putting SEO content on our website, What does that tell people about your business? It tells them that you're not willing to go the extra mile. You're just phoning it in. You're just doing things because you have to do them. Now, that may be true. That may be not, but that's what people are going to think. Similarly, on the flip side, if you post a highly esoteric uh, article that is so technical that it can only be read by somebody who's had, you know, three graduate degrees in this particular area. I think specifically in the technology field, this is really important. It's only for, you know, it's inside baseball. It's only for people who really know this material. What are you training people to think about your business? That you're only for a certain category of experts. You may or you may not be, and and that may not even be your intention with the content, but that's how people are receiving it, right? Uh, And so when we're talking about building trust, and that that idea of uh you're training people how to think about your business uh one of the things you want to train people to think about you is that you're trustworthy and that i think is where this plays into in terms of content marketing is are you creating content that uh i give an example i'm working with a client right now we're doing a bunch of projects around generative ai right and one of our biggest concerns is that this technology is so new and there really hasn't been much. much accessible content that's written about it, you know, for for the lay person. Uh, and so we're, we're really facing this challenge, and I think we're, we're well positioned to overcome it, but one of our considerations is we want to make sure that when we're writing about generative AI, we're not making rookie mistakes that uh, make us look like we don't know what we're talking about because the company is trying to uh, um, present an, an offering around this area, and we're kind of laying the groundwork for that right now. Uh, that's a huge consideration. Uh, when, you know, when I'm posting about ChatGPT, and I know we're going to talk about AI later in this conversation, um, you know, it's very important that I know what I'm talking about. Otherwise, somebody who knows a little bit better than I can look back and say, "Well, you're wrong on X point, so I'm not going to listen to you on Y." So, I mean, that's one way to b- build credibility. You know, another way that's I, I think is really important to building trust is. Uh, using examples in your writing. You know, I I try to, in my own content and in this conversation, when I'm talking to uh, clients and and prospects on sales calls, you try to bring real world examples into it, show that you actually, uh, you're not just talking, that you're actually a practitioner, which I think is what, uh, those of us who spend time on LinkedIn, there's a lot of people who have opinions, but, uh, uh, and there are lots of great practitioners on there, but, uh, you know, I think you have to weed through to find those really awesome, Uh, Awesome people. So I, I, I think, you know, all of that plays together in that, you know, what do you want your audience to think about you? And are you presenting yourself in a way that trains them to see you as somebody who's trustworthy?
0: Hmm, that's really well put, Timothy. One idea out of that is just that fact of training your audience. And I think it goes to that point of whether you have a newsletter or whatever, just sending it to send it does train people to essentially tune you out. Oh, it's another email from this company that isn't going to bring value. And I think we're very unaware of the unintended consequences of content or the kind of overdoing it with content. I mean, that's that's a hard line to draw in the sand, but I think it's, it's again, marketing, it depends. Every company, every audience mm-hmm. is gonna want the different kind of content frequency type, whatever. And I think that's so important to think, okay, yes, I want my content to get this message across, right. but what's an unintended consequence if this and this happen, they'll tune us out. Okay, do we need to post this?
1: Well, and this goes back to our, we were talking about fundamentals earlier, just real quick is, you know you have to know your audience if you don't know your audience, you're not going to be yeah. able to effectively market to them because it's not just about the obvious stuff obviously, if you've built a product uh it, actually this is not obvious to a lot of people, but uh <laughs> the successful the the successful uh companies that build products right they at least know their audience well enough right to be able to build something of value that's easy we all we you know if you're working with any company that has any measure of success that's step one, 101 level stuff, right? But knowing your audience goes so much deeper than that. And part of it is, you know, what you were just talking about, being aware of your audience to the point that, you know, the unintended consequences, you know, the verbiage, right? You know, what's that, that one phrase that you're going to use. I do some work in the, the agriculture industry and the terminology is so specific. Uh, it, 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 you work there, it, you know, it took me like two to three years working in that space just to be able to, to have the conversation. Right. And, uh, you you have to know that. But that's about that very specific audience and a different audience is going to be different. So uh, <sighs> you have to you have to go deeper. And I think, you know, what you said about unintended consequences. Well said, I think that's absolutely critical.
0: Yeah. Thank you, Tim Timothy, for bringing it back to the fundamentals of understand your audience, but taking that even continually further. OK, we know the demographics. What are the psychographics? OK, we know the psychographics. Yeah. Can we write their journal for them? No. OK, we need to keep talking to them more. So then essentially when we write content or we write a landing page, it's like, damn, they came into my bedroom, took my journal and slapped it on this landing page because they know me yeah. so well. So I really uh, like that kind of touch on to constantly the fundamentals and reorientating around there. One one final topic on just marketing and kind of not maybe the fundamentals, but maybe on the fundamentals, talking about future trends in content marketing. You touched on a little bit generative AI, AI, that's the talk of the town. Rather than focus on that, which we likely will, in ten years, where do you think content marketing is? Like what's different for content? What stays the same?
1: Yeah. I think we still will have content marketing in ten years. Uh, I would not venture a guess as to what form it's going to take, and I think <laughs> very wisely. I'm not going to predict what's going to be the future. Ten years ago, if you told me that YouTube and AI, or sorry, YouTube and LinkedIn would be like two of the biggest platforms for B two B marketing, like I would have. Well, first of all, I wouldn't have even known what B two B marketing was ten years ago. Like I, I was, uh, yeah, that that was that was a little would it go, but. Uh, but but seriously, like, you can't predict exactly. But 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 at the end of the day, humans are going to be humans. And uh, people are going to be looking for information. Uh, people are going to be hungry for information. They're going to be hungry for value. So I think what will stay the same is that people are going to want valuable content. Uh, the written word is going to be essential. It's going to be central because you start with a great foundation of written content. You can deploy that across any channel. That go you know, audio and video and all that stuff. I think that the written word is going to be essential. But how that's deployed, I don't know. Uh, and I think what's going to change is uh, I, there's such a proliferation of content right now. and This is hard to kind of predict where things are going to go. But I would say that, uh, you know, I, I don't see that proliferation of content coming down. I think there's going to be it's getting easier and easier to make content. I mean, TikTok was like a huge leap forward in terms of uh, people being able to make video content and put that online. I think generative AI is going to uh, do the same for the written word. I don't know that it's. It's there yet, but it, uh, it, it it probably will, especially kind of on on the consumer level. Uh, I don't think as much on the on the B two B level, but we can we can get into that if you want. Um, and uh, but I think that the more content proliferates, the more value, expertise, trust, as we were talking about. Uh, I think these are going to be the differentiators, uh, and so I, I think that uh, the, these these I think we're coming back to fundamentals uh, I guess that's what makes them fundamental right uh, you know the, the people who can master that the, the brands and companies that can do that and have the resources and personnel to do that uh, you know that's gonna be I, I think that's gonna be the differentiator in ten years mm-hmm. so we'll I see love that
0: <laughs> yeah yeah no it's it's smart move not to make a prediction because I would post on that I would take this clip and post in 10 years when we're doing something so differently that we couldn't (laughs) even imagine. So a very good point that things are moving so fast that there's sometimes no value even in predicting a future that's so far away. But I think your content or just what you shared was valuable. Humans are humans. So yes, we change slightly with the, you know, we use the tools, but the tools also change us. So we do change, but really humans have stayed the same. So focusing on those, how do you see marketers working with AI or like, what is the ideal state of a marketer? trying to remove it out of B2B, B2C, whatever. Let's just focus on yeah. marketers. How can they use AI? What should it look like when they're using it
1: right I now? I am so glad you asked that question because I I don't know very many that are giving this answer. So here it is. Here it is. Uh, to me, I understand that uh, generative AI specifically is to the word processor, what the word processor was to the electric typewriter, what the electric typewriter was to pen and paper. That's how I see it. It is a tool. It is a great tool. Uh, and a uh, tool is only as good as the person who knows how to use it. I'll give you a perfect example. There was an article in the New York Times, and uh, I I don't remember uh, exactly when it was. It was fairly recent, like in the last couple of months. And uh, a professor was was looking at student papers and noticing just the number of uh, data and references in those papers that were just completely hallucinated by uh, ChatGPT, right? It just made, made it up. Just made up all made up all this data. And and I when I first started using I, I was using uh, Jasper before I was using uh, ChatGPT. And uh, I noticed the same thing. I would ask it for five stats, and it would just give me made up statistics. I would ask it for a quote, and I knew what the quote was, and it would give me a made up quote from this person that wasn't kind uh, of uh, that wasn't accurate at all. And so like the AI, these hallucinations have been deeply embedded in 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 the software. So I think that. Uh, if you don't know what the output is supposed to be, you almost can't actually use the tool to get to the output. But for those of us who, who have an idea and we have an end goal in mind when generating this creative content, uh, we can use the tool to get there that much faster. So I think that's where it's gonna play. Uh, you know, Another thing that uh, I think could, could be really interesting, I don't think the technology is there yet. Um, I, I see possibly, here's a prediction, uh and so you can pull this up in 10 years if this doesn't happen. But um, you know one of the trends that I'm seeing are companies that are uh, using proprietary generative AI models that they're training in-house with their own data. And I could totally see companies using these uh with vertical specific information and uh proprietary customer data and uh so almost these like very niche proprietary generative AI models that then in-house content writers can use to then uh, generate content that's more valuable that much faster. Uh, I don't know exactly what the path to that looks like. I'm, I'm, you know, I know a little bit about generative AI, but I'm not a, by no means a technical expert. Uh, but that might be. I mean, that's something that is, is a neat idea, and you know, maybe somebody can take that and go make a bunch of money off of it.
0: Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I like that answer. So using that tool as a tool kind of framework. Do you see then the marketer using this tool compared to how the marketer would use the internet or the uh, word processor or the typewriter? Do you see them using it a little bit more, essentially infusing maybe like your... Essentially, this AI thing is your co-pilot, quote-unquote, rather than the word processor. Never could do that. It was just a pure tool that you had the outcome and it didn't add any intelligence to it or consciousness. Do you see AI having more or generative AI have more potential for... Seeping into work in a right. different way than the previous tools.
1: I, I think so. I think I think that's a really good point. Uh, but I mean, the word processors have, in in many ways, kind of started us on that journey. I mean, spell check and grammar check are two examples of of that. You know, I don't. I have my copy of uh, Strunk and White up there on the shelf, as every good writer should have. Um, but I I, I very rarely crack it open unless I have a very specific grammatical question. Because we all have spell check, we have grammar check, we have grammarly, yeah. right? Um, And so, uh, you know, I think uh, I I use the word processor specifically because it kind of started us on that on that path. But I think uh, almost certainly I'll I'll tell you, like one of the ways that I use generative AI um, and I do not, uh, you know, none of the words generated by ChatGPT end up in front of a client. Right. I just make that very, very clear. I think there's legal and ethical considerations there. But, uh, you know, I'll use it, you know, if I'm writing on a topic with which I'm, you know, only semi familiar. You know, I'll use it to generate kind of like a, a basic listicle of like things that, uh, you know, if I'm listing, uh, say, you know, 10 things every modern recruiter needs to know. I do some work in the recruiting and staffing phase, right? And, and you know, 10, 10 traits of the modern recruiter. I, I'll, I'll generate that list because, you know, me, I could come up with five of them. There's five others on the list that I hadn't even thought about before. So I think to that point, it's really helpful. Um, I think it's also good. I use it uh, in prepping for subject matter expert interviews in an industry with which I'm unfamiliar, getting that basic information, because it really does very efficiently aggregate a lot of that information. Uh, You know, you have to be aware of data hallucination and inaccuracies and all of that. But it does help me so that when I go and sit down with, you know, a a VP of a company and and getting their insights for content, you know, we're starting at a 201, 301 level, not at a 101 level. So, you know, those kind of applications, I think, are going to be are going to be uh, helpful for the writer.
0: Hmm. I like that example, because if you think about how that currently is done, it would likely be given to an assistant or an intern. Hey, give me the context on this industry, this field. So now essentially you're removing a person and this marketer can become more of this superhuman, this superhero, because they have essentially these powers that they didn't have before. And one word that comes to my mind is a second brain. I think AI is going to be really good at having two brains because it can A, go into your brain if you write a lot. And I think that's notion has a new AI tool that I think is very effective because I do a lot of writing in Notion so then it can use all of to your point of companies but even personal you can use all of that of like hey take everything that I've ever written And give me five new ideas that I haven't touched on deeper or that I could go. it just is this kind of like a second brain where you might call a friend, you might call or hire someone, but now AI is enabling you to move a bit bit quicker. And I think that's where the value for me has really come is essentially doing things that I would have took more time or I wouldn't even have been able to do on my own, which touches on a lot of the things you said there.
1: Well said, I completely agree.
0: Awesome. All right. I think, I think I learned enough from you there. Hopefully the two to three listeners still (laughs) with us also did. I think it's time to hop into the marketing hot seat. This is a new segment on the show. So anything can go, um, and just remember that this is, uh, this represents me and not my company. No, I'm just kidding. All right. So first question. So first of all, should
1: we, should we like insert a pause so that you can put a little jingle in there for the (laughs) the marketing hot?
0: Yeah, that's actually a great idea. That'll be season three. We'll actually (laughs) get some soundtrack.
1: Yeah,
0: (laughs) (laughs) I love it. All right. We're going to jump into these verse questions. So I'm going to go this or that, this or that
1: email or social media posts for building a community. Um, I said I was going to give quick answers on this, but now I'm, I'm double thinking. No, I think, uh, social media for attraction, email for, uh, depth and nurture. Perfect answer.
0: In-house content creation or outsourcing?
1: Outsourcing. Come on. I can't. My business, man. <laughs> um Although let well, me, let me clarify that. Let's go with embedded outsourcing. There so what's
0: that? Define that for me. So quickly. embedded
1: outsourcing, this is what I do and kind of where, where, where my bread and butter is, is, um, I, I'm not employed by by the company specifically i am i'm an outsourced content creator but i embed with their marketing team so i'm on marketing calls and i'm uh in, in conversation with their sales teams and uh ceo and all of that and then depending on the company that relationship is is more integrated and embedded than others obviously uh but um you know it, it, it's kind of the best of both worlds you get to know the company know the know the brand know the audience but uh you know i'm not as expensive as a full-time writer
0: <laughs> i love that because i do think that sometimes the outsource can be too too far from the company if they're not embedded, yeah. quote unquote. I love that. That's know the customer.
1: Point. We were just talking about that.
0: <laughs> the fundamentals, yep. damn it. All yep. right. Long form long form articles or short blog posts. Long form all day, every day. Organic or paid? Organic. <laughs> Which is the future? AI generated content or
1: human writers or both? I think I kinda answered that question, but um you know what? I'm gonna go with it. I'm gonna say it's the human because AI, awesome. um <laughs> AI could disappear tomorrow. Human writers are still gonna still going to be we're still going to be working (laughs) amen to that all right yes or
0: no questions is content still king or queen yes do you need to create and focus content moving forward with all of the different things that a business can do
1: absolutely
0: yes is it possible to accurately measure and attribute the roi of content marketing
1: Yes, but see our earlier conversation
0: for how to do that. <laughs> I love that. I love that. <laughs> will AI content become the norm? So will content that's heavily infused with AI be normal in the future?
1: Um, I think yes. I think unfortunately more people are going to do it badly. But, yeah. You know, that. Agree means with that. Ho- hopefully I'll still, that's good for me. That means I'll still have a job, right? <laughs>
0: Yes, yes, that's important. Is the golden age of building blogs over? A lot of people could say you can build a blog quickly and get an audience. Is that over or is there still reason to invest there? I think the golden age of building sucky blogs is over. <laughs> Amen. There you go. All right. This is a little bit more open-ended here. So if you have more context, please add it. What's a, what's one of the most overrated trends in content marketing right now that you can't stand?
1: All right, here we go. I got something. I came prepared for this one. All hey. right. Um. This is, I've seen this on LinkedIn for years and now it's happening on X as all the LinkedIn people move over to X now. It's, it's social media navel-gazing. It is all of these people posting about their journey, posting on LinkedIn or posting on X or whatever it is. Just stop doing that, okay? Uh, unless, I mean, the one exception, and and I, I, I this is not an original thought. Jason Vanna really did some. Uh, I think you know, we both follow him. Uh, he, he he did a great post on this, so I'm kind of stealing it from him. But uh, unless you're selling LinkedIn marketing services, your content shouldn't be about LinkedIn. Your content should be <laughs> yeah. about what is the thing you're selling, what what value can you offer to your audience. Um, so I I would even say that that LinkedIn, X, whatever navel gazing. Uh, that's probably. Think it's stretching to even call that a marketing trend but uh, i think a lot of people are pretending that it's marketing and it's it's not
0: hmm. yeah that's great that's great that's something i've seen a lot too but i've never formulated the thoughts like you yeah. did there so i appreciate that well let's it first so. yeah yeah Our, <laughs> jason then you what's uh, what's a, what's a uh, other than that what's a controversial opinion you hold about content or
1: marketing i there we went through this phase where short form was going to be the future and, you know, I think that uh, we can learn something from the fact that Joe Rogan is the most popular podcast in the world, I think, uh, definitely in the, in the States. Uh, you know, I think people want long-form content. They want detail. They want substance. I think they just don't want boring and they don't want bad content. Uh, and so I think that I think we can all learn from that is long-form is great, uh, it, it, but it's how you construct it and it's how you deploy it that, that really matters. So mm, well, I think the, the obsession with short form, just now I think that uh I'm not I'm not on board with that. What's one of the biggest myths about writing? I've got two for you. Myth number one, writing is a predictable process. Myth number two, writing is not a predictable process. <laughs> and all my writers yeah. are gonna understand exactly what I mean by that. <laughs>
0: Oh, I love it. I love it. If you could abolish one common practice in marketing,
1: what would it be? Um, not talking to sales. Uh and it surprises me how many uh marketing and sales organizations are still siloed. I, I was kind of I was kind of spoiled because, you know, the uh the, the two organizations where I was really really started had some responsibility in-house and in, in managing marketing, uh, we were talking to sales all the time. Uh, you know, whether it was virtually or, or just going across the hall in the office. Uh, and so th- this is strange to me why you wouldn't talk to sales. My marketing always improved. And I think the other thing, too, is and I understand why people don't want to talk to sales. because Sales people don't know anything about marketing, like really, unless they've worked in it before. Uh, but they know the customer. And so if you can get to them and you can understand the customer through them and you can understand what they're trying to do, then you can make sure that you're you could take you could take your expertise as a marketer and your skills and your value and use it to drive benefit both for you and for the sales team. So I wouldn't say you need to just do whatever the sales team says. That never works. Uh, but uh, listen to them. And because ultimately they're they're on, I, I like to think I have there's a one of my clients uh, there, uh, one of their salespeople. Uh, they always say, uh, you know, uh, sales teams are the infantry, and marketing is the air cover. And so uh, you're 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 going to the same objective, but you just have different tools.
0: Hmm. I love that. Another way you could say that is if you don't know uh, how your sales um, leader or sales uh, partners like their coffee, then you don't you don't know them well enough. So I really I really agree with you that there needs to be that collaboration and not siloed. Siloization. All right, we're going to get into life now. This is my favorite part because I truly believe some of the best marketers, some of the best kind of people in business, they also have a very good grasp on life or just a very unique way to to see it. So I think life is 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 kind of paramount to doing good marketing. So jumping into that section what is an idea, if you could incept one idea into the minds of every marketer, every human, there's this movie, Inception, they go into people's minds and ideas. Film. I love that one, yeah. Wake up the next day and it's their idea. So what idea would you incept that everybody tomorrow wakes up and they're like, I'm living out of this idea?
1: Yeah, uh, I think it's that you really can do anything you want in life, but uh, you have to take the small steps to get there. You can't just wait for it to happen and you have to be patient. A lot of times, the only distance between you or, and where you wanna go is just time. And so if you're patient enough and you take those small daily steps to get there, uh, you'd be surprised at what might happen. I'm shocked at where I am right now in life versus where I was five years ago. And then nev- the change didn't happen overnight. Uh, there, there, you know, there were big milestones along the way, but it was just baby steps every day. So um, that's what I would say.
0: I love that. Yeah. I think it would remove a lot of suffering because a lot of people are thinking that it should happen quicker. They're just lacking yeah. that patience or they just take different routes trying to get there uh, faster. Really to your point, time is the variable in between what we want and where we're at. So I love that. Can't speed up time. What, what's a value or a belief that you don't think society puts enough focus
1: or emphasis on? That's a great question. I'm going to think about that for just one second, because I, I want to make sure a uh, value of belief. Um, I think commitment. I think we we tend to live in a culture where if something is not working, you just jump to the next best thing. And this kind of goes to point number one a little bit is, uh, you know, certainly I would I would never tell somebody that they need to be in a situation that's abusive or a situation that's dangerous or anything like that. Like, obviously not. Like, putting those things aside. Um, you know, sometimes the best way to make the most of your life is to make the most of the life that you have, and so stay committed to to what you're doing. And uh, you know, if you need to if you need to change, you know, maybe you do. But I think I, I think commitment is something we we definitely undervalue.
0: Hmm, I love that. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see level of commitment over uh, time, just because I think it has fluxed. And I do think, to your point, maybe with more things and more uh, engagements and more all of these things that essentially has lowered the value of commitment, or it has made it harder to hold that value. And as we all know, we take usually the path that's easiest traveled. So if commitment is a hard path, I'm not going to take it And life well, has made it.
1: And I'll harder, add to you know? that too, you know, if you, if you change your circumstances, you're still taking you into the next situation. And so sometimes, you know, the problem that you're, you're currently facing is with yourself and it's not with your external circumstances. I don't want to hear that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, totally. Oh, man, I don't either. Yeah. yeah. Did you say something?
0: I think you cut out there. It can't be me. Oh, man. No, no. uh. (laughs) That's awesome. Sorry, I wasn't intending
1: to turn this into a a therapy session, but you know, here we are.
0: Oh, jeez! All right. I'll pay you after. If you could donate a million dollars to a cause, to an initiative in nobody knows you did it. What would you give that a million
1: dollars to? This is going to sound so cliche, but I, I, I think it really is. What I would do is we have more than enough food in this world to feed every single person on the planet, at least one time, one time over, if not more. Um, the problem is distribution and corruption and war keeps us from doing that. And so I have no idea how to solve that problem. But if I had a million dollars, I would find people who were smart enough to solve that problem and do whatever we could. Cause I, that just, to me, that just, I, I don't understand that.
0: I love that. That's a uh, very point. What's a habit. What's a practice you do outside of business, outside of marketing that when you come back to do business and marketing, you do it just a little bit better.
1: Yeah. Uh, so I, in addition to, uh, you know, running uh, my content agency. I'm also a creative writer and it, being able to exercise that muscle in a completely different context. I'm working on writing a science fiction novel right now. Fingers crossed we'll be, uh, uh publishing that uh, next year. Um, probably going to end up self-publishing at least this first one. So we're going to see, we're going to see how that goes, or this is very, uh, you're getting a, a tease there, but, um, yeah, uh, because using writing, but in a different context, you know, I always pull something and not, you know, I, I'm not even conscious of it, but I'm pulling something in and vice versa, uh, because also being a content writer in an agency and, uh, you know, where you're on deadline, and you, you have to execute the client deadline is there, you've got to get it done. Uh, you know, that's also helped uh, with cre- uh, creative writing as well. So I think hmm. both ways. I love that. Yeah, there
0: was a uh, an article I I read a while back that just said every time you do writing or you do something, you essentially lower the future cost of that thing. So I do find that it's really important to write it in all sorts of ways. So then when the gun is on your head to write, it's a lot easier than like, oh, shoot, I need the muse. Where's the muse at? It's like, no, I just write when I need to write. write, because I love that. You can always edit it
1: later if you don't like it. (laughs)
0: Amen to that. That's what Grammarly's for. All right, final question. What is one thing that you hope doesn't change in the next 10 or so years? So um,
1: so I'm married, have kids, a whole boatload of them, and they're all little right now. And so we're kind of in that, in that stage of life right now where we're all kind of like this little, uh, we're kind of just little pod going through life and doing stuff, you know, because it's just how you are when you have little kids. Um, 10 to 15 years, that's not going to be the case. You know, that's just not how it works. Uh, but what I hope doesn't change is that that connection and those relationships that uh, even as life happens and as it will, and, you know, you want that to happen uh, for yourself and for your kids and your family, uh, that, that that connection and that uh, those relationships, uh, that that doesn't change as time goes on.
0: Beautiful way to end, Timothy. Thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate the wisdom. Appreciate and time.
1: You. Thank you so much.
0: And this is the end of the podcast. Thank you for making it to the end. It means the world to me that you watch or you listen to this episode, and hopefully you're walking away with new insights to improve how you think about marketing and life and help you make progress on what matters to you. But one thing before you go, if you could subscribe wherever you're listening to this or watching, that would really help out both you getting the episodes right when they come out and raising this podcast in the ranking, so hopefully more people like you can listen to this. And if there's anything that I can do to make this podcast more beneficial for you, if it's somebody you think I should interview, if you're the person, please comment, please email me. It's in the show notes, so we can just continually deliver more value to you, the listener. Again, thank you for watching and have a great rest of your day, evening, week, and hope to see you here next time.